Uh, so I hear you're a voiceover actor. I'm, I don't know about, you know, saying an actor, but mm, I, you're I, an did, actor. I did do some, some voiceover. For what? Uh, it was a small, I don't even, it, what used to be affiliated with Big J's, if you know Big J's. It's on uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Big J's is on there. That's where he's eating his. Oh. Yeah. But it nice. wasn't. It yeah. wasn't Big J's. It was they had a pizza offshoot, and so I did something on a local commercial for them. That's, that's outstanding. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's big time. <laughs> I, I'm getting a royalty check from them. Are you? All brown peanut M&M. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's why I requested no brown peanut M&M. Kind of so, tired of those. Yeah. Glass full of green ones. That's yeah. great. Is that the only one you've done, or any other yeah. ones? Not even the weather, nothing? No, no, I've never done the weather. I did work with a guy that did radio, though. Uh, Ryan Seeley, his uh, son works for the sheriff's office. Okay. So we worked at the, his dad worked at the sheriff's office, too. Nice. So he actually did uh, radio. Had a pretty nice voice. The face for radio. He was a, he was a <laughs> handsome man. <laughs> Good morning, and welcome to GI and a Cup of Joe. I'm your co-host, Annie T., and I am Justin C. In this podcast, we'd like to take off the rank and get right down to just being a regular person who made a random decision to wear a uniform in the Idaho Army National Guard. All of us come from very different backgrounds, but we do have one common goal, to better our future. Not just to better our future for ourselves, but for our families and the ones we love. Officially, we are Command Sergeant Major Justin Cole and Sergeant First Class Annie Torres, but honestly, I'm just a regular girl. And I'm just a regular dude. Well, today uh, we're talking to officially uh, CW3 Rob Mace, but honestly, he's just Rob. Uh, so let's go back to high school. And uh, where did you attend high school and uh, what kind of student were you? That's a loaded question. But uh, where I went to high school was South Fremont. And uh, to delineate the difference for some folks, because that's that used to be, well, it still is. They have a 5C juvenile correction place over there. So when you tell people that you're from St. Anthony, they're like, oh, <laughs> right, which makes sense. Um, but uh, South Fremont, uh, it's a pretty small community. It's uh, used to be pretty rural. It still is. It's still pretty farm community based, but uh, pretty small. I actually grew up in the city of Teton, which was even smaller. So I thought going to South Fremont, you know, I was like, oh, we're going to the big time. It's a city of 3000. <laughs> but uh, I wasn't, I was a good student when I liked what, when I had an interest in doing what I wanted to do. So that makes sense. Um, did great. If I didn't like it, I, I, for instance, I was always good all the way up to high school. I excelled. I had great marks. And then I got into high school and we started doing stuff like, in addition to everything else that goes wrong with you when you're going to high school, right? Right. You know, all those things, but things like geometry, algebra, I've got to conceptualize it in my own way before it starts to make sense. And I just couldn't do it. And I was impatient. You know, when you're, you're young, you're just flowing with all kinds of stuff. And I just never had the patience to sit down and go, let's just make sense of this. Didn't have some great teachers, had a, had a really great one. Um, Jim Newbauer was his name. He was the only teacher I knew, at least in math in high school, where I was from. He didn't have to look at the book or anything. He could just sit up there and, and do things, all the equations. He didn't have to look at anything and he was pretty good, but, um, yeah, he did his best to, to connect with me, but if if I didn't have an interest in it, I just didn't have the patience to sit down and and That's do fair. well. So 
But if I did, then I, I did really well. What subjects so, did you have an interest in? History. I liked history a lot. Um, I was good at doing English and things like that, even though, you know, how interesting can English be? Right. You know? <laughs> so I, I, got, I got through with that. Reading, uh, we got into different literatures. Again, I, I think I said when we were just chatting, I took a class in here for Boise State. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think I was going to like the class. And there was, that was the same thing in high school. I was like, I'm not going to like, you know, Bonnie Warren taught some sort of literature. I was like, yeah, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> Actually really enjoyed it. You know, she, different books that she had for us. It was stuff that was kind of off the beaten path, but there was a different English teacher that had more of the stuff that you read when you're F Steinbeck, things like that. Um, but hers were a little bit different. And so it was interesting. And I actually enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, certain sciences I liked, but if, if I connected with it, I did well. If I didn't, I just wanted to play football and wanted to go hang out with friends and, you know, go hunting. In those days, it wasn't unusual. You, there's kids that had their rifles and their hunting racks out in the parking lot. Yep. Right. That was totally like, oh, yeah, it's hunting season. That's normal. Yep. Yep. Can't imagine what that would look like. Now, <laughs> I don't think you'd make it on school grounds. Mm, no. Well, actually, I, on a side note, uh, I was the NCOIC, obviously, for Eastern Idaho and uh, South Fremont, Teton area. And a lot of those high schools, you go through the parking lot, it's still the same. Is it? Yeah. So That's... there's... There's a time hasn't touched a few things over there. That's so good. That's nice. I think I'll go back and retire there. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So football was your main sport or did you play anything else? I did track and field until um, there was the Dawes, this family. They were farmers and they had all girls. So that's, that's you know, usually when the farmers, they want a son to do that. But they're girls. Uh, I did track and field until I can't remember which Daw girl it was. She just clobbered most of the guys throwing the shot put and so i thought okay i'm gonna go back and play football now. i'm out <laughs> man she hocked that thing she did yeah it was pretty impressive that's little, awesome little demoralizing to my you know myself in high school thinking i was a shot put champ but you got humbled real quick oh yeah, <laughs> yeah she beat me by a ways that's hilarious so yeah it ended up being just pretty much football they yeah. always wanted me to wrestle but i know looking at my bellicose silhouette in here it's hard to imagine but i was uh, usually too heavy to play uh, to do wrestling so huh. there was a 275 that i was actually <laughs> over that in high school so wow yeah so outside of high school what things did you do did you have hobbies activities in in high school specifically outside of high school yeah. like what did you do for fun but the same t- age yeah. time yeah. frame uh you know we there wasn't anything too specific. There was some some hunting there for a while. I like to go do some of that. Fowl hunting in particular, I never got into the, the big game stuff. Not that I'm against it or anything like that, but I just, I for some reason, I like fowl. Fowl hunting and fishing. Um, my brother, Kirk, is the big fisher in the family, so he's really good at that. Um, in, in high school and, and that time... I got into football, and that's also a fat guy reference because I wasn't terribly into football until this was back when Dallas used to be something, but they were winning Super Bowls, and it was they had a big old fat offensive line, but they really they kicked butt. And so I was watching that, and I'm like, hey, I can do that. <laughs> so I really, got a, I really got into football at that time. So I spent a lot of time, and I was – everybody – it's kind of like what the Patriots would be now – you know, you either really loved Dallas or you really hated Dallas. And most people hated Dallas where I was from. So 
I was always in arguments with people about all those things. But by the time I really started being a Dallas fan, they the Super Bowl was 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 over for them. So for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, when you were down there, Justin, did you find time to go fishing? It's such a beautiful place. Uh, I did actually. Um, a lot of those guys, <clears throat> oddly enough, uh, I'd say probably seventy percent of that team over there is big into fishing. Okay. So the That's whole surprising. like make mission go fishing, right? Right. That was a thing over there. So yeah, I. We did, and I don't have the patience for fishing <laughs> at all. Like I don't. Like hey, I'm like when we go. It's like golfing to me too. Sure. Like we'll go golfing, and I'll drive the golf cart and eat the <laughs> snacks, right, and and drink the beer. Uh, but I won't. I'm like I don't have patience for this, right? <laughs> so fishing's the same way. Um, if we ever went out in the boat, I'm like I'll drive the boat, right, and I'll eat right. the snacks. And <laughs> so, did you grow up back there, or you just did recruiting back there? No, I did recruiting back there. Okay. So no, I did not. I did not grow up over there, unfortunately. Uh, I've got family over there. My wife's uh, brother's got a place over there in um, Island Park. Oh yeah. So we go once a year, and that drive from Island Park to uh, Jackson, Wyoming, where you go through Teton, that's gorgeous. That's yeah. like that is a gorgeous area. Well, it's that time of year. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, right? Do you have any? Uh, do you have any like fun family Thanksgiving traditions? I don't think we have any anything that's too out of the mainstream that I would say that would differ so much from somebody else. But you know, Thanksgiving, uh, we always did used to. It was tradition to go to my my grandmother's house, and so she made you know most of everything, and then somebody else, you know, the rest of the families, they'd bring like a little side dish or something like that. And I never really thought much about that growing up. But now, you know, I, I make the turkey, you know, like the family. We all get together back in East Idaho. And the more I've been starting to do that, the more I look back at my grandmother, I'm like, geez, you know, <laughs> all this stuff that you made. And, and you know, yeah. you didn't think too much about it at the time. But then when you start doing it, it's like, that's a lot of work. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, there's nothing too crazy about Thanksgiving for, for what we do. Uh, we used to actually, you know, was when we were kids, when we were younger, uh, we'd play football. You know, we'd go out and, and do that in the front yard. But there wasn't anything terribly traditional, but that's about it. What about you, yeah. Anne? Uh, well, growing up, my mom would sit and watch football while my dad and I would cook the dinner. <laughs> yeah, nice. My mom was the biggest football fan in the world. Still is to this Cowboys day. Cowboys fan too, I bet. She's huh? not a Cowboys uh-huh. fan. She's L.A. Everything L.A. Oh. Those are her teams. Well, oh, she grew up in Southern California, so that's fair. But does she have a team? Well, how does she feel about the Raiders then? Yeah, uh, yeah no. She's, um, is it Rams? I don't even know. Yeah, it is Rams. Rams, the, yeah. Still in LA, yeah. Yeah. That's her team. But yeah, she'd watch football. We would cook. We would eat as a family. What about you? Uh, not so much growing up, um, but... Um, when, you know, when my kids were growing up, sitting around the table, we always played, um, my wife and I would cook the meal and then we'd get the kids around the table and I've got four kids and we'd play headbands oh. while we ate the Thanksgiving meal. And, um, I don't know if you guys ever played that. No, but what is that game? You put the band on and you take one of the, I think there's like 90 cards in there, right? And it's, you put the card on your head and everybody can see what it is, oh, okay. right? Yeah. Um, but you don't know who the character is and then they're giving you hints and you're trying to figure it out. You would play that during dinner. We'd play that during dinner, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and every year I won because my seat at the table sat right across from the china cabinet, which had glass, right? So you just oh had to glance goodness. over one time and I could see who it was and, you know, they'd, they'd work their way through it. And I'm like, oh, it's Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, it's... And they're like, oh my God, how does he keep doing this, right? I was cheating every year. 
they got smart, you know, they caught on 15 or 16. My boys are like, no, <laughs> change spots. So that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, so when you were back in high school, um, what were your plans as far as your professional future? Well, so again, that's another thing about the dynamics of being in high school, peer pressure and stuff. When I remember early on in high school, when I was really young, I was exposed to law enforcement and um, emergency medicine. My mom worked for the sheriff's office. She was on the EMT uh, for the ambulance back there. So I was pretty sure that's what I was going to do. But then, you know, you, you go into high school and it was like, oh, the cops, you know, that's, that's bad. <laughs> the cops are cool. Uh, but it was at some point I just decided, you know, screw you guys. I'm, I'm going to be a cop. All right. Deal with it. And, um, I think everybody had pretty much figured that out. They were like, yeah, you kind of seem like you're going to be a cop. So I pretty much knew in high school that that's probably where I was going to end up going. Um, and then in terms of the, the medicine, I, I knew I wasn't, I didn't have the marks to be a doctor, but I, you know, For medicine sure. was interesting to me. And that's why I ended up uh, deciding to be a medic when I went, um, went into the guard. So so at what point did you decide to join the Guard? Well, again, I, I knew, so law enforcement, I, I knew I probably wanted to do the military too. I figured I'd do the military first and I'd, I'd go okay. into that. Um, but my buddy, and you you all might know him, it's Nick Cummings. We oh, went to yeah. high school together. He's he's out now, but he's over in USPFO. Yeah, for sure. But I told him, I was like, well, I'm going down to see the active duty. You know, I'm going to go Army. And he's like, oh. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going guard and I'm like, well, why would you do that? I, I just really didn't have a concept of what the guard was and how that differentiated from the army. He's like, why don't you come down and, you know, talk to him. It was Doug Hopster. I don't know if you ever knew him. Yeah, not, for sure. But <laughs> yeah. We went down and we talked to him and he's like, oh, well, what do you want to do? I said, oh, I want to get into law enforcement. He's like, well, you know, you could do all the same things. You can, you're going to go to the same basic, you're going to go same MOS, you're going to get qualified to do something. And, but then you'll be on your own time and you'll drill. So you could do both at the same time. And I was like, wow, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So he got, he was the recruiter. He got yeah. me. So he, he sold it, but it made sense. You know what he said at the time I was like, ah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to going somewhere for four years that, that I may or may not like, right? you know, um, I'd be somewhere I knew and it made sense. So. That's, that's how I got in. And that's why I, I opted to be a medic too. Cause I was like, well, you know, I know I'm going to be a cop. I don't know how badly I want to do military police, but I could at least get some flavor of that emergency medicine or, right. or whatever being a medic. So that's why I chose to do that. What's the best experience you've had as a medic in the guard? Being in Charlie med back in those yeah. old days, it's kind of cool to go. It, they're still around that, that original, that OG crew, you know, from that time, 99, 2000, up to the first deployment, it's it's kind of cool to look around and say, man, all these people that, and then where, what am I doing? You know, <laughs> she's the state senior list advisor, uh, Chris Borders, he's the PAO. There's a lot of people that were a part of that crew. And I, I guess that was probably my best experience is just being there for that. And then as we've come along in our careers and looking around and going, wow. I would agree. That's one thing I love looking back on, especially starting my career in Charlie Med. Yeah. Like Robbie was E4 when I met him. So was Eberline. And now she's a um, medical doctor. She made it all the way to the top and she joined um, for the school benefits. So I, I love to see those success stories. And even you as a pilot, I mean, your story is awesome too. It is. Stop. It is. So <laughs> let, let's take a look at that. <clears throat> so how many years service? Total, total uh, 24 going on 25 here next year okay so 25 years of service uh joined as a medic um and it was it was doug hopster that convinced you what got you to 
being a pilot? Um, that one's probably the most interesting. Well, in my concept, maybe not to anybody that would be listening, but, uh, you know, Stace, Mm -hmm. Sheldon Stace, right? Sergeant major. I think he's, is he the Sergeant major at the one sixteenth? He is. He's the ops Sergeant major. Yep. Well, we were medics together. So going back to those original days, that was around 2009 or 2010. We were about to go on a deployment, the second one. And I don't even know what spurred the conversation, but he's like, well, they, you know, they've got a, they're, they're taking applications for, for pilots, you know, maybe you ought to do that. And, and I was thinking, well, we're going on this deployment. I don't know if I've got time to do any of that. Um, but he really kind of spurred that. And uh, Shane McKenna was a pilot at the time. He also, believe it or not, was a medic for like a wee bit of time. Yeah. And I talked to him and he's like, I don't know how well you know Shane. I know. <laughs> I do impersonations of Shane. But he was, yeah, if you're going to do that, you're probably going to need to go over and get a flight physical. <laughs> Very motivating. He reminds me of Dave Putty, you know, on, on Seinfeld. And, but I went over and it was uh, Glines and Aaron Smith. Okay. Uh, God bless Aaron Smith because she played a big role in everything too. But I went over there to do the flight physical. I had no idea that traditionally, you know, like you're really supposed to have been selected and, and all that stuff. But Aaron was like, well, there's no reason. I mean, it's probably a better thing that they know going into it that whether or not, you know, whether they put the investment on him. So they did it and we did the deployment and I went on R&R on the second deployment to make my, my flight board. Oh, wow. That's where Aaron Smith comes in. Okay. Because before I'd left, I'd put all my stuff in a storage unit and I left my my class A's then, you know, the green, lovely things, I left them in the front. So I go to my storage unit. It's the day of the interview. And I go get my, my uniform out of there. I get back to my buddy's house to change out. I'm like, cool. I've got time. They called me and they said, Hey, you know, can you shift to the left an hour? And I was like, yeah, I can can do that. It's a piece of cake. I open up my class A's and what do you think's missing? Pants. There's no pants. (laughs) (laughs) And who needs pants anyways? Uh, yeah, you know, for a f- first glance, uh, you know, people like who would then be Major General Garshak, he was the president of the board then, but I'm like, how am I going to get pants? And I'm calling everybody, getting zeros from everybody. And finally, somebody's like, yeah, we got some. They're 48s, and, you know, they were a mile long. They hadn't been, you know, tailored or anything. I was like, man, it's going to have to work. And Aaron Smith was there, and she was like, okay, well, we got to – she – Tucked the, the legs up underneath and, and got some tape so that the, the, the leg wouldn't come out. And I was like, wow, she was a lifesaver that day. But went over and I did my board and I did well enough, you know, and I, I got through. And uh, probably what part of that was was doing my, my flight physical because they were sitting there looking at everything. Well, you've already got a flight physical, so all right. So it helped. <laughs> it, it, it helped. But really... Also, to, to, to answer your question more directly, I never really thought I was going to be a pilot. I, I, I didn't. You know, I was doing my medical thing. But um, on the first deployment, I, you come to a realization that there's most of the people that you're going to deal with as a medic, you could either, you're either going to be able, most of them are going to live or die regardless of your, your interventions, right? There's, there's a few that, based on what you do, you, you can, you can, you can help or hurt. Right. And, you know, I'd see the Apaches going around and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, I'd, I'd rather be a step further 
Uh, not that, and I, I said this in the board too. Uh, they were like, well, you know, being a pilot or being a medic, which would you choose? And I was like, I don't look at it. If I went back today to being a medic, I, that's not a step back for me. Uh, I don't believe in, oh, that's a pilot. Ooh, that's super cool. Yeah, it is super cool. But you know what? So are the people that, that cook our food. Right. I like to eat when I'm out in the field. <laughs> so I, I love those people. I think every job has its place, 100%. But I really thought that being that Apache pilot, hey, these, some of these people that I couldn't help at all, maybe on that side, I, I could be doing something. So I, when they asked me if I wanted to be an Apache pilot or a, a black guy, I wanted to be an Apache pilot. But then our Apaches got taken, and now we're doing the medevac mission, which brings everything back full circle. It's yeah. totally cool. Yeah. I, I love doing the job. So, and got to learn from some really great people in, in medevac too. So that's it's been a really great experience. Medevac, Apache, medic. Looking at everything, what has been your greatest accomplishment in the military? That one's a good one, too, because I can go down a couple of different genres. But honestly, I'd, I'd have to say it was getting through flight school. I, I wasn't a rotor head. I, I didn't have a lot of that. Um, and you don't have to be super smart, but you do have to be able to you have to be able to do a lot of different calculations and a lot of different thinking on the on the go um, as a pilot. And so getting through uh, the Apache qualification and, and going through what they call is flying in the bag. And you have to learn how to fly off the system, which is the HUD. It's just in your eye. And to really get you to focus on that, they bag up your windows so you can't look out physically of your aircraft during this phase of training. And your poor instructor pilot, he's sitting up front just kind of going, all right, well, hopefully they don't get too out of sorts here. But <laughs> that, was, that was a challenge because you're just having to go off of, of this and you've got to the tads up front, it's your flare. You have to move your head carefully because if you just jolt your head to a side, there's a delay. It's going to turn at a, at a rate. So your head's already over here, and it's the visual cue is just catching up. A little dizzy, a little cattywampus, pretty easy. It takes a lot. So that that was a pretty that was probably my biggest challenge. I remember going to lunch with you when you got back from flight school. It was me and my husband and Casey Seckle. You remember oh, doing Casey. that? I know. We went to the Ram, I think it was. But you were telling all those stories, and I was so proud of you just for getting through all that. Your stories were super intense. Yeah, well, it, it was it was hard for me, so it I was intense. Tell. But you did it. I think that's awesome. There's a, there's a lot of other things, too. There was a lot of accomplishments as a medic that I was pretty proud of. We did a, a pretty intensive train-up on that first deployment um, with yeah. different medical skills, and it was that was pretty... You, you wouldn't have been able to do that on the civilian side outside of having to pay a lot of money or to go through, you know, certain things. But we were able to go through back when it was in its infancy. I think they did away with it. Um, I think so, too. The, I think I know what you're talking about. The lab with the, the goats and stuff. Yeah. And they, they've been, they're totally, they, they don't feel anything. And you do feel bad when you're when you're in that lab. But really, in terms of what it, it does to develop your skills as a medic, um, and you actually get to see something that, that's what that looks like. Okay, and I need to do these interventions to to stop that, and it starts making a lot of sense. But that was pretty intensive, so um, it was it was good to go through some of those things and develop skills that you come back and you talk to somebody that didn't go through the guard. And depending on the city, right? You right. talk to certain people that are <clears throat> maybe they're in Chicago or something like that. They're like, yeah, I see a stab wound every night. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. 
there. You talk to some other medical professionals and like, yeah, I just haven't seen some of those things that, that you experienced, whether it was in training or whether it was having been overseas. So if you could go back to high school and uh, talk to students who are unsure about their future, what would you tell them? Or what's a piece of advice you would tell them? I think probably what I would tell them is whatever you are passionate about, because I was passionate about wanting to do some of the things I did, and I, I don't have any regrets. I look back and I, I knew ultimately the big goal of what I wanted to do, it was in general, it was going to be either law enforcement or military or, or something like medicine. Follow your path, you know, go with it. And at the end of the day, if that path doesn't uh, play itself out, that's okay. Because I've had that in my career lots of times, right? I really wanted this thing. And I was really focused on that. And it didn't pan out. It ended up being fine. All those things that I did to accomplish getting to that point opened up other doors too. Sure. So I would just say to somebody in high school, and, and I can picture talking to myself in high school, pay attention, study, and I'd be going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but honest to goodness, you know, if you're interested in something – Make some time, make some value out of your time in high school outside of the other things you're going to do. There's a lot of important things to do there, but look at some of the courses you're taking and go, okay, I want to do these things when I grow up and be an adult. How does, how does algebra work for that? And, and start getting some value out of that. Start seeing the studies you're taking, not as just some mundane thing you've got to do to get through high school, but how's this going to prepare me when I, when I go out and do the things that I, I really want to be doing? Sure. So if I had somebody tell me that, and it's not to say that somebody didn't. I'm sure there was people that said a lot of things when I was in high school, but <laughs> I was a high schooler. So I'd, I'd really hammer that home that, hey, look, you're going to be out and you're going to be doing this yourself one day. So this is a great time while you're living, you know, whether it's your parents or you've got somebody else that's taking care of you, you're not having to worry about paying bills. You're not having to worry about doing all these things. That's a great time to start getting yourself prepared. So it really is. So do it. You know, get, get a little advice. value out of it. I love it. Kind of a two-part question. Uh, because you're a pilot, it'll lead into the second one. But um, I was, it was about a year ago, I was shown a um, kind of a, and I don't even know what it's called, obviously, because I'm not a pilot, right? <laughs> but it's, uh, it's like an overview map or a, um, <clears throat> a map that they'd hand a pilot. Let's just call it that, right? <laughs> um, but in the key, you turn it over on the backside, and in the key and this is an Air Force map, it specifically lists Sasquatch, like Sasquatch, like um, hibernation grounds or whatever it is, or migration area, right? And it was a legit map. I was like, are you kidding me? They're <laughs> listing this on the map. So uh, this is the Sasquatch battalion that we belong to. So we always get to this point in the podcast and we just ask like straight out, is Sasquatch real? Well, I can't say that I've seen Sasquatch, but even though there's been people, I can tell you this, I went to a, a course for the military and they had a person that they called his call sign was Sasquatch. I, I could see where, depending on what he's wearing and walking around in the woods, he was a CH-40, he was a Chinook pilot, probably the only thing he could fit in. He was probably about six seven, oh, and wow. he was Jeez. built like me too, so... Um, really big guy. They call him Sasquatch. So I guess maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's possible that there's a bunch of him out there running around and people are just thinking, well, yeah, there you go. Sasquatch. Okay. I haven't All seen right. it on a map though. 
I want to see that map. Well, we stepped on the Star Majors grass a little bit in this podcast. Um, that just means we use some acronyms that maybe our audience won't understand. Mm-hmm. So we'll go through them and clear them up. Um, one of you, I think it was you, said USPFO. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It's a good question. <laughs> um, it's it's basically it's the financial office that's um, on on the post. What it specifically stands for, and that's why I probably didn't say it out loud because. I don't know. United States Postal Pay and Finance Office. Postal and Physical or Fiscal Office. Postal and Physical mm-hmm. Office. Fiscal. 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 Yeah. Fiscal, yeah. yeah. Uh, and we did say MOS again, but we've cleared that before. But just as a refresher, an MOS is a military job. It is. Let's go back. So you've been in twenty-five years. Mm-hmm. I've been in thirty years. Neither one of us knew what USPF stands for. Yeah. I'm in good company. I'm okay. It's fine. The only thing you need to know about them is am I getting paid? Right. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Um, and we referenced Charlie Med quite a bit. That's just a medical unit um, here on Gowan Field in Boise. Um, R&R? You said R&R. Uh, rest and recuperation. I think that's yeah, what that one like is. Yeah, it's just like leave during deployment. Yeah. 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 Um, class A's? old school man it is a little old school if you're in the air force they've been wearing the same thing for (laughs) decades which i appreciate too i think we've changed uniforms quite a bit but class a's yeah it was the green ones it's a dress dress uniform um and then you referenced boards i think it was for higher boards yep oh a hiring board board and then hud hud oh heads up display oh okay so in the apache oh you they're, they're in pretty much now they're in all aircraft uh but just something that uh, an apparatus that comes up over one or, or both of your eyes. You know, uh, um, NVGs could be a HUD. They've got a, an optic that fits over the top of those and gives you data that you look through. Um, and it can either help you look through uh, night, um, heat sensing, things like that. But just, yep, heads up display, lots of data. Okay. And then you said a phrase, um, great on the sticks. I'm assuming that's gears and a. Yeah, yeah, cyclic collective. Two, two sticks, two protuberances in the in the aircraft. Okay. Makes it do all the things. Awesome. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We'd like to thank our guests and our production crew for their time. Join us every Wednesday here on GI and a Cup of Joe. See you next week. <laughs>